Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Welcome to another episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Today I'll be joined by Siemens Media Managing Editor and Girls Prep Soccer Writer Mike Z. Mike, thanks so much for doing the pod once again. Yeah, always a good time at this time of year, Matt. Enjoy uh, talking prep soccer with you. Definitely, and that's kind of the, the lead-in of why Mike is here. We're doing our our annual, our now annual um, prep playoff preview for boys and girls. Mike, our, our girls prep expert, will be, will be focusing on the girls prep side of things, and then he'll flip it around and ask me some questions on the boys prep side of things. But, but like you said, Mike, this is an exciting time of year we're down to the as we speak the last week of the regular season in prep soccer and playoffs will be getting next week and it's just an awesome time to cover soccer yeah a lot of clarity too just to these last couple weeks in terms of which teams are in good shape to qualify for these playoffs which teams will be seated highly for these playoffs certainly on the girls side we had two massive results this weekend that helped clarify things uh, and i'm sure we'll go into those shortly and on the boys side i'm sure as well yeah, and any of our listeners out there can go back and check the tape on our preview episode and see what what we got right and what we got wrong when we when we previewed the season back in early September. So hopefully we knew what we were talking about back then. I'll have to go back and check too. <laughs> but but let's start with with how things look on the girls prep side of things, Mike. At this point of the year, I know a lot of spots are kind of locked up. We kind of know some teams that are locked into to playoff seedings and we have four classes, class A, B, C, and D. We're going to focus on class A and B today. But in class A, how have things kind of progressed this year? Who have kind of risen above other other programs in the area? And maybe you call them locks right now in class A. Yeah, I'm just going to refer back to those two big results over the weekend uh, that I think um, may have uh, given us our top two teams in, in class A. And the first was Friday, Buckingham, Brown, and Nichols. We've obviously discussed that program at length, you know, on this podcast and in our coverage. Winners of the last three Class A titles. They've gone through the ISL season undefeated to this point. They did tie Brooks last week. We'll, we'll get to that maybe later when we talk about Brooks. But they had a big game at Thayer on Friday. Thayer was also coming in undefeated. BBNN took that win. Two first-half goals. Caitlin Mara had the first and Addie Kalaw, the second one, so they were able to protect that lead. They won 2-0, which puts them on the road to another ISL title, barring a slip-up, and I would think in good shape for another number one seed in the Class A tournament. It's it's worth mentioning, too, before we get too deep on, on kind of how these tourney selection committees think going into this, because it's not just about win-loss record when it comes down to choosing these these brackets ultimately, which which will be released in just days from now as we speak. But it's strength of schedule, it's quality wins, it's making sure you're not loading your, your schedule up with, with, for lack of a better term, cupcake matches that you know you're going to win. And, and that really factors into it. So as we get further into this conversation, we can kind of talk about where, where teams fall and why you know a certain team with two losses may be, may be in a better shape than, than a team with zero losses. Yeah, I, I don't have the secret formula that I can refer to and, and, and plug it in. Right. Um, but it's it's the eye test. It's who's played who, who's right. beaten who, who's played tougher schedules. And at the start of the week, knowing that we were going to tape this podcast, I just tried to get my thoughts in order. And for Class A, I, I came up with six locks. I also talked to some coaches this week, and after talking to some coaches, I think there's maybe seven locks. And wow. We, we can get into that maybe maybe a little later. Wow. But let me get to that number two team before we, yeah, yeah, yeah. we can talk a little bit more about BBNN later. But the other big result was on Saturday, Miss Porters at Choate. That's the big Founders League heavyweight. 
battle of the Founders League is. It turned out to be exactly what we thought it was at the start of the year. You had four excellent teams, a level above everyone else, and that's supporters Choate, Westminster, and Loomis Chafee. The race in the Founders League was so close that it literally took a goal from Porters on Saturday with half a minute left <laughs> to clinch the title for them. Had they tied that game against Choate, which ended with a 2-1 win, had they tied that, Westminster would have had a chance this week to finish strong and grab the title for itself. Wow. That's what little separated it. Wow. So, shout out to Miss Porters. They are undefeated. They don't lose a lot. Um, they beat Choate. They win the Founders League, and I think... They should be in very good shape for, at worst, a number two seed in Class A. Man, the Founders League, just I, I, going back the last couple of years, it's been, been a war. Because I, we, I went back and, and checked some of our coverage last year, too. I mean, you, you were writing about this last year, too. The Founders League has just been a battle between those, those that, that kind of big four uh, programs for two years now. Yeah, nothing against the, that next tier where you, you, your Tafts and your, right. your Hotchkiss, good, good soccer team. But yeah, those four have kind of had their head-to-head battles all through the season and this last one was as good as any of them i mean it was uh, a one nil porter's lead uh, until about eight minutes left and they conceded a penalty the penalty was saved and then a minute later choate scored to tie it came down to the final final minute and it was emory menifee from 25 yards out it looked wow. like right at the, right at the death man uh, delivers the goal the game winner delivers the founders league title to miss porters and a great achievement for avi dubnov and his his team yeah that's a moment that the, that the players and coaches will, will remember that's that's great late season soccer we got to circle back to bbnn here because it's just you really can't talk about new england girls prep soccer and playoffs without putting a a focus on bbnn just Going for an out, seeking another New England championship this year, another new coach this year. It just seems like no matter what they do, it's always the right thing. I mean, coaching players, they just, they, they thrive this time of year. They thrive all season. They're just the biggest obstacle that other teams in Class A girls prep soccer have to get past. And we were talking off air a little bit is about do we think BBN just walks to another New England championship match this season. And do you think that's the case? Or do you think it's more open this year? No, I, I don't think they walk to it by, by any means. I think maybe they enter the tournament as the favorite um, with, with the past history and, and stuff like that. But uh, one thing, talking to, to Haley Ketkowski, the first-year coach, this week, uh, and she talked about the vibe she got coming into the program and, and the fact that these girls you know, are used to setting high goals. They're used to paying attention to the details and doing all the small things that you need to do to win soccer games. And like Miss Porter's, they've also got a terrific tandem at center back, which is just so important uh, at this time of year when you're playing good teams that like to attack. I mean, Caitlin Mara, we've written about mm-hmm. and covered for years, going to North Carolina, terrific player, senior, uh, junior Avery Sarzana is her partner back there, going to Columbia. That's a terrific tandem. That's what you kind of build around. When you throw in a player like Kara Bubanovic, holding midfielder, going to Holy Cross, that's a, that's a tough nut to crack. There's, I think only one team all season has scored more than a single goal against them. So you have the players that everybody knows about. Sophia Recupero up, up, up front. She's the joint leading scorer in the ISL with 16 goals. She's going to Duke. Maeve Theobald going to Dartmouth, leads the ISL with 14 assists. They, they, have, they, they can do it in a lot of different ways. They have good players at many different positions, and they don't rest on their laurels. It seems like every, every game they're going out, the next one is the most important. They're trying to prove that not just that they're the top team, but they want to stay and be the top team. Yeah, it's amazing when you rattle off those Division One commits for BBNN. Caitlin Mara just recently was named a high school All-American as well, so that's another achievement for her illustrious career. And, and like you said, BBNN, they're just so strong at all levels of the field, defensively, in the midfield, up front. It presents so many challenges. But the ISL is, is 
top to bottom a strong league. So within that league, the independent school league, who else has kind of caught your eye um, this year and is, is a factor now as we approach playoff time? Yeah, in Class A, uh, without question, the other team is Thayer. They handed their first loss of the season just this past Friday. They had run the table up, up until then. And I, I'm laughing because uh, they posted on uh, social media. I think Friday was their senior night or senior senior day, and they posted a, a photo of their seniors. And of course, one of them is in a knee brace because of a torn ACL. <laughs> yeah. And you know, this year it's it's Karen Madsen, who's a very good player for them, and and you know, a, a big loss. But they do have. They do have a lot defensively. Emily uh, Pimentel uh, in the back, center back, going to Sacred Heart. Uh, Maddie Parrott, goalie, going to Clemson. You know, outside backs, uh, Rosie Frasoli, Izzy Reedy. It's it's a good unit. It's a it's a tough unit to uh, to crack. They're going to be a factor. You know, they've made progress each of the last two seasons. They they made the tournament last year. Went out in the in the first round. I think they've positioned themselves for a top four finish and a home quarterfinal. Wow. It- Outside of the ISL, one interesting team we, we always keep tabs on that's always in the mix is Worcester Academy. We believe probably that they've done enough to play themselves into the tournament. What, what catches your eye about, about Worcester, and do you expect that program to be a factor? It's another program that's just got good players at every position. They've, they've had a wonderful recent run of success. The big question around them was the two forfeits at midseason, mm-hmm. internal issues. Uh, never got all the details about that, but they did have to forfeit games to, I believe, Choate and Miss Porters. That would have been good competitive games, good good, good competition to, to get ready for the tournament. So talking to coaches, they think Worcester's in. In fact, if I had to go down my list right now, I think you'd have BBNN and Thayer from the ISL. I think you'd have the big four from the Founders League, and that's Miss Porters, Westminster, Choate, Loomis Chafee. And I think Worcester is in that top seven as well. And I think that the remaining question is just who's going to be number eight. Right. And that, that's kind of the lead. And next, do you have candidates you think in mind who, who could claim that eight spot? Or is that one of those things that I know teams have big matches this week, tomorrow, which will be Wednesday as we record this, and then later on this week, Saturday. Is there another team that you think might have an edge over other programs for that eight spot? No, I, I don't. You know, I, I could not say with confidence who right. the, this number eight team is going to be. I mean, if you go, you could go back to the ISL and look at Nobles. Mm-hmm. They were in the tournament last year. They almost pulled the upset against BBNN. They haven't had quite the regular season as they did a year ago, but still a very good record. Uh, you got a couple teams that have not made it uh, lately, and you got Sacred Heart. Greenwich has a terrific record. Again, strength of schedule is it enough? Right. They've played some Founders League teams. Um, they've got they tied Taft. They got a win over Hotchkiss. They got a win over a good Suffield team. So maybe they get some consideration. And Austin Prep, which is fairly new to the NEPSAC, mm-hmm. has has an excellent record playing a lot of the uh, the ISL and uh, Eastern Independent League teams. So I think those are those are three candidates, or it could be surprise and and come from from outside. Is there a team in that seven that you mentioned? I don't even know if you'd, you'd call them a, a dark horse because all of those programs are talented, as we've touched on here, and, and all have, have pretty terrific resumes to this point. But is there a team within that maybe who, who might get seated in that four, five, six range that you think it has a chance to, to make some serious noise? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> Easy answer. I, you know, yeah. I think I mean I think you can consider BB and N a favorite yeah. uh, going in because of their recent history and, and the fact that uh, nobody has beaten them lately. And I think you get Miss Porter's because of their Founders League title. They're 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 a number two, but uh, you know right right down through seven, I, I think you're going to see three terrific quarterfinal games, um, potentially four, depending on who who gets that number eight seed and what kind of form they're in at the time. But uh, no, I don't. I wouldn't be shocked to see a Loomis Chafee in the final or, or a Thayer in the final. It's one coach told me, I mean, it's, it, someone's got to knock off BBNN, right. and the team that does is probably looking good to to maybe do the whole thing. 
Well, I was going to say, too, in conversations you've had with coaches, is there more optimism that BBN can be had this year? I know in, in previous years, maybe, <laughs> I mean, coaches will never say it's a foregone conclusion. We're all playing for second here. But do you feel like there's thoughts that this is the year for us to get past BBN? Yeah, it feels a little similar to last year. I mean, I think the team that they had two years ago was ridiculous. Yeah, a machine. I mean, what, right. what, what was the final margin of scoring? They scored yeah. 75 and conceded Nuts. two. It was just you know, ridiculous. Right. They, nobody was competitive against them. Last year, they did have a couple, more than a couple. They had a few really tight games. They had nobles in the quarterfinals. They had to rescue that one right at the end. So... Yeah, it's kind of got that feel that they're the team to beat, and, and why not? Everybody knows what they've done, but they still got to bring it. They got to play strong. They they can't have an off day in the tournament, and whoever's opposing them is going to have to find that extra gear to overtake them. Let's uh, switch it over to, to Class B now, where it, it looks like Pingree is probably the team to beat in Class B for girls. Brooks is is right there as well. You wrote about Brooks in the most recent issue of our magazine. And just kind of the success they've had this year, and they get a couple of Division One commits on their roster as well. How do you see Class B playing out? Aside from Pingree, who are some teams that could challenge? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to claim to to know Class B as much as you know Class A, and there's mm-hmm. certainly people out there who know it a lot lot better than I do. <laughs> but I, I think Pingree's a fair starting point, just because they are the champions from last year. They brought eight starters back from that team. They score goals in bunches. You, you look at their scores, and there's six to ones and seven to nil. They scored three against BBNN early in the season in mm. a four to three loss. No team's done that this year, maybe in, in quite a while. So there's firepower there. There's They they spread the scoring out last year. They're doing it again this year. Cat Watrous, senior going to Colby, having a nice season. Kayla Smirnios, sophomore, you know, uh, uh, up there too. A lot of strong girls. Doc Simpson, great coach. We know what he's done over the years. They'll be ready to play. And I think if you're looking at the team to beat going into Class B, I think it's fair to say it's Pingree. Uh, how about the, some of those ISL Class B teams uh, along with Brooks? Do you feel I, that's one of the things I hear on the boys' side with the ISL is it's very Class B heavy with your Rivers and your and your Brooks and, and Nobles and things like and And maybe that sometimes... I don't know, I wouldn't say it like hurts Milton Academy's resume, but maybe it because they're playing so many Class Bs throughout the season, it hurts. But on the girls' side, do you feel like uh, playing in the ISL is is a strength for a program? It, it helps their resume in general? Yeah, I think most of the, the opponents you're going to get are strong opponents. Yeah. So if not your resume, at least your your soccer mm-hmm. is going to get better. And, and this year, it's the two Class A teams, BBNN and Thayer, that have been clearly the two uh, best teams in the league, I would I would say. Uh, and then you look at a team like Brooks, which is going to make the Class B tournament again. This has been a nice progression for this program over the last two or three years. Uh, we featured them in the magazine, the last issue. Alana Gibbs, the goalie mm-hmm. going to Southern Cal, and, and Lou Neando, whose, whose journey is well-documented, going on to Northeastern, an excellent midfielder. So those are your your two leaders. And then they've got they've got some newcomers and young players that are really really boosting them. Let me make sure I have the, the names. And I forgive the pronunciations. When I'm talking to coaches, I'm writing stuff down. Right, right. But I'm not phonetically writing it down. <laughs> so I'm going to butcher a couple here, I'm sure. Uh, but Delaney Bertos, uh, freshman. I believe she's the team's leading scorer. Mm-hmm. So a huge freshman season and a great impact of, of offense, which which any team can use. Mally or male Lung, sophomore, speed, great freshman year, now having an excellent sophomore year too. And Meg Mulvey, a senior, who's going on to play D3 at Denison, is having a fine year for them. So they've, they've got a nice cast. They tied BBNN last week, which potentially you could look back, hindsight's twenty twenty. Maybe right. that's a trap game because BBNN's looking ahead to Thayer, but you know you really can't look past anybody in the ISL. They tie them one-to-one. That's a heck of a result to get. Right. So if they can do that, they can play with anyone, and don't, don't write them off in Class B. 
also as a, just a writer reporter and covering those New England championships. I know you've been you've been down at those girls championships for the last couple of years. Last last year was cold, as we both can attest to. It was that that day got cold. What's the atmosphere like at those games for you? Just watching those games, you typically have two games going on at once, and then two more after that. What's what's just kind of the vibe at those at those games? Yeah, like? it, it kind of depends on the venue. So I'm thinking about two years ago at Deerfield Academy when you had the fields that were just they were adjacent to each other. Right. So you had two groups of loud supporters at one match and then just a, a few hundred yards away you've got two more groups of loud supporters and last year at rivers which hosted the championships the fields were were quite a bit apart and you didn't get a feel of what was happening when mm-hmm. you were watching one game uh, but it, it is a great atmosphere it's, it's a great culmination to a season uh, matt you know me here at, at siemens media i'm a lacrosse guy yep. and and the, those prep seasons end well, unless you're fortunate enough to be invited to one of those national championships which are basically invitation-only championships. You can't really say, I, I won a title, unless you're, you're in a, an affiliated league or something like that. But in, in soccer, you're playing for a New England championship, and you're going to play it, and whether it goes down to overtime or penalty kicks or whatever, you're going to crown a champion at the end of the day, right. at the end of the week. And, and the years I've covered it, you get, you get tears of joy. It's, it's a great, you got photo shoots that go on for an hour on the field after the game. It's, it's a great take. And like you said, the venue has a lot to do with it. Where, where these games are being held is, is a key. And we will obviously have information on the venues and, and the brackets as they come out in less than a week at this point. Yeah. So that well covers... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I yeah. just I didn't know uh, if we were going to wrap it up, but I just wanted yeah. to throw out a few more Class B names. Oh, yeah, sure. If, if that's cool, and, yeah. and just uh, make sure. And, and one of them is Dexter Southfield. Oh, yeah. Which is which is having a season, and it's got the result that it wanted when it beat Pingree yeah. uh, recently, 2-0. Keep an eye on anysoccerjournal.com. We're going to have a nice story on uh, some sibling connections that are really fueling this year's Dexter Southfield team. Southfield Academy is hitting its stride. This is a team that won Class B... In 2021, I missed the tournament entirely last year, but still have some of their players that have that championship experience. They've gone toe-to-toe with some heavy heavyweights from the Founders League and, and, and done done pretty well. And one last team from the ISL that you can't quite write off is Lawrence Academy. Mm. When they had they had a little struggle in the midseason, I think they won, lost two or three matches in a row to kind of bring down their overall record. But they're still they're above 500. They still get to play BBNN and could get a, a huge result there. Their most dynamic offensive player was lost in the spring, Sahana Mars, with the with the ACL. But Julian Millward, a sophomore, is having a nice season for him, four, four goals, six assists. They've got a nice goalie in Molly Davidson. They've got good players around her. So uh, that's a team that if it can get in, I would not write off. Yeah, that, it, Lawrence is, is an interesting team because they seem to always be in the mix. Very well-coached team, too. Yep. So that, that's a great a great call by you to throw them in the mix because they, they can be there and and, and as you said, yeah, Dexter uh, is always a program to keep it tabs on. And, and as you said, we'll have that story on NewEnglandSoccerJournal.com later in the week. So that, that's really good stuff. That's why that's why Mike is here dropping that knowledge on on the girls' prep scene as we as we near the playoff brackets here. And, and now we're going to flip around, and Mike's going to take over the the question asking, and I'm going to do my best to to handle um, the boys' prep side of things here. All right, you ready to go? I am. All right, well, let me, I had a uh, New England Soccer Journal newsletter pop up in my email ah. this morning uh, with a nice piece, uh, Projecting the Class A Tournament Field. Uh, obviously, you wrote that. You've got a lot of insight on that. You cited the parody, but you kind of saw how it shakes out. Why don't you break it down uh, for our listeners here in terms of who's a lock, who's a potential high seed, who can fill out the field? Yeah, as one coach told me this week, one through ten, he doesn't think he's seen as much parity in Class A as, as there is this year. There's that's not to say there's not a ton of individual talent in Class A. There is, but 
nobody kind of views it as this team has this one game changer who can just take over a match and, and, and lead his side to victory. Last year, Worcester Academy won the championship. They had like five of those game changers, and it was one that we kind of saw coming early in the season. This year, not so much, but there are locks right now, and, and one would be Northfield Mount Hermon, the champion uh, from 2021. Haven't lost a match yet this year. Tremendous defensive backfield um, with a bunch of great goal scorers. They played Worcester Academy on a neutral site back in late September and beat them in what we kind of highlighted as uh, maybe the match of the year to kind of yep. show us the, the the forecast of how things will go. That was a huge win for NMH. And they seem to be the team that, that has the best resume right now. They have wins against Milton Academy, Worcester, <clears throat> Loomis Chafee, Choate. They just play a who's who of New England soccer, and, and they don't have any blemishes aside from one tie against Avon Old Farm. So... They would be the one. I think Worcester Academy is a lock. Could be in that 2-3 range. Their lone loss was to Northfield Mount Hermon. Still a great team. Have a, a defender slash midfielder in Christian Heichel, who's a Providence commit. Have a, a great goalkeeper in Dean Linden, a UMass commit. A guy who backstopped Worcester to the championship last year. And then Taft, another lock. <laughs> an, an absolute lock out of the Founders League. 12-0-4 on the season. 10 shutouts. Uh, haven't surrendered a goal in their last six matches. Just... Tremendous resume. Their uh, strength of schedule may not be as strong as Worcester or NMH, but the unbeaten record speaks for itself. They were the runner-up last year, or two years ago, I'm sorry, 2021. They lost in PKs to, to Northfield, Mount Hermon. And, and then the other lock, of course, is Milton Academy out of the ISL. 12-0-1 uh, in the league, 14-1-2 overall. Milton's lone loss also came to Northfield Mount Hermon, so you see a trend there where NMH is kind of handing out these these lone losses to other programs. That's kind of the big four, and then the fifth that I would say is Phillips Andover, which we was the cover of our prep preview magazine in August. We expected big things from Phillips, and, and they've delivered ten two and two on the season. Head coach Edwin Escobar wanted to play a loaded schedule this year to kind of prove his team's worth, and they have with that record. Uh, they have great wins against Belmont Hill and Loomis and Choate and Kimball Union Academy. So it's been a strong season for Andover, and th this is exactly what they wanted. They wanted to put themselves in the mix, and I would say that five is kind of the, the locks of the tournament right now. Okay. Beyond those top five, who do you feel has positioned themselves to have a chance to earn this coveted invite? I think Loomis is is a definite team to keep an eye on. They, Loomis missed the postseason last year, which was a bit of a surprise because it was a talented team last year. They've gotten things going as the season's gone on this year. They had kind of a slow start, but they had a five-game win streak midseason that kind of put them back on trend. And now they have a 10-5-2 record. Um, they're right there in the Founders League. They had wins over Suffield Academy and Avon Old Farms that kind of showed what, what they're you know capable of doing. Huge game against Choate on this week on Wednesday and then the regular season finale on Saturday. So you would think they need at least a draw against Choate, preferably a win to kind of solidify the resume. But Loomis is a, is, is a great – they got a player named Lorcan Mitchell who has kind of become maybe the best goal scorer in New England this year, quietly. He's had a, a bunch of multi-goal games. He's really – solidified that attack and given them that playmaker that they needed. So Loomis is definitely a team to keep an eye on. Uh, the other one would be St. Sebastian's out of the ISL. Another good resume. Uh, they made the tournament last year right in that 7-8 uh, range. This year, 12-4-1, riding a four-game win streak right now, so peaking at the right time. 
a team with a, a really solid attack, really capable of putting um, a bunch of goals on the board. So I think St. Seb's is the other team you got to think has a good chance of being in that field. Yeah, it gives us a chance for a nice segue, too, and we can kind of maybe shine the spotlight on the ISL. Mm-hmm. You touch base about there could be so many ISL teams playing in the postseason, whether that's in Class A or, or Class B. I mean, you, you've gone through Milton, and we, we see Milton year in and year out, and, and, and now Sebs. Break down the ISL for me, if you could. I mean, who else has a shot maybe in Class A, and then who we could be looking to see in Class B? Yeah, where, where the ISL really gets strong is in Class B. I see a total of seven teams yeah, where the ISL really gets strong is in Class B, where I think they have four potential programs that could get a spot in Class B. Leading the way would be Nobles, currently in second place in the ISL, 12-1-1 overall record. I mean, they figure to be probably a top two seed, I think, in Class B right now. The other one, of course, is Rivers. So it, it looks like Rivers and Nobles could be 1-2 seeding-wise in Class B. So that, that really tells you that Class B could be the ISLs to lose. And then you throw in a program like Middlesex that has a great goal scorer in Teddy Fritzinger. He, he's a name that if, if everyone, anyone keeps tabs of on our standouts of the week uh, on, on com, he's a name that pops up a lot. He's had a couple hat tricks this year, a few braces. He scores a lot of goals. Middlesex is known for its explosive offense. They put goals on the board in bunches. 12-5 and five overall, but the way their, their resume stacks up, I think they're in really good shape for a, uh, for a Class B spot. And then Roxbury Latin's another one that's that's right in the mix as well. Okay. All right, so we could have a Class B tournament filled with the uh, the ISL teams Absolutely. And, and potentially some uh, rivalry rivalry matchups. Let's swing it out west. Um, what's still at stake in the Founders League, and which of the teams from that league have kind of caught your eye this, this fall? Well, we should probably start with a massive showdown that will occur Wednesday this week. Avon Old Farms against Berkshire. Essentially, it, it seems like the winner of that match could get that eight spot in Class A. So that's just kind of a game that people will be keeping an eye on. I've talked to coaches. They're kind of looking at that game. Um, you know, there are some other teams in Class A that are in the mix, but that matchup looks to have big implications on how Class A will shape out. So Avon is in the mix in the founders and, and fighting for its kind of Class A life right now. But aside from that, you have Loomis is right in the mix, and Taft is appears to be the class of the Founders League just with that unbeaten record. There's, there's been some draws. They probably would have liked to have converted some of those draws into victories. But Taft, Ozzy Parente, the head coach, knew they had a great squad coming in. He kind of talked about the experience. Henry Bacon, who is a, a post-grad, has come in from, from high school, playing high school soccer in Vermont, and he's kind of solidified that back line and been outstanding for them, along with Marco Santana, who's only a class of 2026 20, kid. So he's a young guy. Yeah. So you got him and Bacon in the backfield kind of organizing things. And then they have Preston Alessio, who's become a great goal scorer and a, a reliable playmaker on the team. So Taft, I, I'm not saying they're as talented as they were two years ago when they had KK before, is now at Notre Dame, and he kind of led them to that Class A championship match. But it's a pretty balanced team. And I think right now you have to look at them as kind of the, the top dog and the founders. But as usual, it's it's tough with Avon and, and Choate is still in the mix. Choate's still battling for a playoff spot. And, of course, Loomis. Okay. Anybody we're overlooking, you know, in the, in these two tournaments? Any other candidates out there that merit a mention on this podcast? Yeah, we, we touched on, I think, when we, when we mentioned the ISL, Belmont, Belmont Hill has kind of been a sleeper this year at 11-4-1 in a team that is in the mix for Class A. It's, it's, you'll have to, we'll have to pay attention to how these final two games go for, for teams in the region this week, but Belmont Hill is a team that's flown under the radar. Another one is, is Deerfield Academy, which started off the season great. It's 9-5-1 and one right now, but is actually one of the better stories 
in New England soccer, kind of flew under the radar all year. And look, right now it's it's November, and they're in the mix. Probably a long shot to get a spot in Class A, but but a quality nine five and one record and some quality results along the way. All right, a good good time to remind people that with the, the NEPSAC tournaments over the next hill, we will be ramping up our coverage of boys and girls prep soccer at nesoccerjournal.com. Yeah, and, and one last thing before I before I forget, too, on Class B, an interesting trend that is worth paying attention to. Last year's champion, Brooks, another ISL team who we didn't even mention when talking about, has really come along as the season's gone on. Record's right around 500, but they've had quality wins over this last month that might actually get Brooks back into the Class B tournament. And, and if that happens, watch out, because I, I know coming in, they were thought of as a young team. They got a great goalkeeper in Zach Amato, but they were thought of as a young team that might hit their stride towards the end, and that seems to be what's happening. Yeah, you see those 8-6-2 and two teams pop up and, and yeah. get those worth sometimes, and then you really can't you, you can't write them off. They can be dangerous. Absolutely. And, and like Mike said, for more coverage leading into the playoffs, we'll have plenty of it and all, so, all sorts of goodies on, on NewEnglandSoccerJournal.com. But we cannot wrap up quite yet. We still have to hit our extra time segment with producer David Yaz, who's going to fire three soccer-related questions at Mike and I, and we'll, we'll see how we do answering these. It's the end of regulation, so let's move to extra time. Yes, welcome to extra time. I hope you're prepared. We have something special today. Usually the nice thing about extra time is there's no right answers to any of the questions <laughs> except for today. So we've got unusual names of soccer clubs. We combed the globe, the research team here at the Goal Podcast. And for each of you, I have three questions. And it's multiple choice, so you can't fall on your face too badly. <laughs> but what's going to happen is I'm going to give you uh, three names of a soccer club somewhere on the planet Earth. Only one of them is correct. You just need to tell me which one is correct. Matt, you're the host of the show, so in uh, NFL coin flip fashion, you may go first or you may defer to Mike. I will defer. All I right. Al- I always defer. Bring it. Sorry about that, Mike. All right. <laughs> Number one for Mike, from Cape Coast, which is a region located in the nation of Ghana, is the soccer club there called the Cape Coast Happy Hobbits, the Cape Coast Golden Gremlins, or the Cape Coast Mysterious Dwarves? Uh, it's, it's the dwarves. Well, that's absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. I, w- I would have said the same thing. You actually heard of that team? I think they cost me money a couple of years ago. <laughs> in, the, in the African Cup, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, one for Mike. Well done. Matt, we move to Bulawayo. Zimbabwe ah. is the soccer club there known as Bob's Barbecue FC, Taco Shack FC, or Chicken Inn FC. Uh, I'm gonna, it's got to be Chicken Inn FC. No? Wow. Absolutely right. Well Nailed done. It. Nailed well it. Well done. Okay. I thought I could stump you guys on some uh, of this. This is my area of expertise. All right. Well, we, we go back to Mike for his second question. We move to a Newton... Not Newton Mass, but Newton Sierra Leone. <laughs> and is the, is the name of the club there the Choose Life Lions FC, the End Racism Ballers FC, or the Anti-Drugs Strikers FC? You want me to read them again? Nope, it's going to be Choose Life. That is incorrect. Ooh. Sorry about that. The correct answer was the Anti-Drugs Strikers FC. Ah. None of them really good names for (laughs) (laughs) So we go back to you, Matt. Okay. From Pembroke Parish 
in the region of Bermuda. Is Bermuda part of the United States or the UK? That <sighs> doesn't matter. Question. Doesn't matter. So this, for this another is, podcast. So you're passing? This, is, this isn't a geography <laughs> podcast. All right. From Pembroke Parish, Bermuda is the is the team. I can tell you this: the team is known as the Hornets. But is it the Dandy Town Hornets FC, the Candy Town Hornets FC, or the Shanty Town Hornets FC? Ooh. I will go with Shantytown. Shantytown is incorrect. Oh. Sorry. It, the correct answer is the Dandytown Hornets. Insert impro- inappropriate joke here. <laughs> All right. So, the, so what's at stake here, David? The, the loser has to do another podcast or you, something? Yes. <laughs> yes. A geography podcast. Yeah, right. You, yeah. have to, you have to do a geography <laughs> podcast to yeah. learn where all these places right. are. The score, if you're uh, keeping track, is Matt won, Mike won, as we move to the final round. What a battle. Yes. Go to PKs. <laughs> so, we might, yeah, we might have to go to extra time, literally. Mike, the from La Paz, Bolivia, yeah. that's right, is the town, is the team there known as the Club Great Ball, the Club Always Ready, or the Club Tropicana? It's Coastal City. Tropicana. That is absolutely incorrect. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is known as the Club Always Ready. Let's see. That's Bolivia. Do they speak Portuguese there or Spanish? It probably sounds better in a different language is what I was getting at. So, uh, Matt, you have a chance for to, the victory. To steal the victory. Here, walk to steal off. the victory. Walk um, off. The last question. From Manila, the Philippines. The team there was apparently named after a hip-hop group. Is it Black Eyed Peas FC? Outcast FC or LMFAO FC? Wow. Uh, can't be LMFAO. Or could it? Let's go with Black Eyed Peas. That is incorrect. Oh, <laughs> Tell me it wasn't LMFAO. No, it was not. It was Outcast. Oh. It was Outcast. All right. We, we'll move to a tiebreaker because we're tied after, after this. If you're still tied after round four, then it will be declared a we draw. We may be here for a while. Split the points. It, right. Mike from... Shiz- Can you give me one from Poland, maybe? No. <laughs> Sorry. From Sh- you get what you get, and you don't get upset. From Shizuoka, Japan, is the team there known as the Shimitsu S. Pulse, Shimitsu S. Pride, or Shimitsu S. Dream? I'll read it again. Shimitsu S. Pulse, Shimitsu S. Pride, Shimitsu S. Dream. Let's go with the Pulse. That's correct. Oh, oh my no. God. The pressure's back on you, Matt, for the final question. Oh, so this wasn't sudden death. I have a chance to match this. <laughs> you have a All chance. Right. To, right. Yeah, you have a chance to match. Okay. Uh, if you match, then we, this will be declared a draw. Yep. And there will be rioting in the streets <laughs> in this studio here. The hooligans are coming in. All right. Last question. From Santa Cruz de la Sierra in Bolivia. We go back to Bolivia. Wow. Lots of Bolivia. Yeah. Is that team known as the Club Booming? The Club Blooming? Or the club zooming. Oh man, let's go with booming. Booming is incorrect. Oh. Mike Z is our champion. Mike comes into my home turf and beats me. Man, a road win, a road victory. But you know what? There are really no losers in extra time, except if you want to be technical about it. Yes, Matt, you're the loser. But we love you. We love you nonetheless. And back to you. All right. Well, that was that was riveting. That might be the best extra time we've done, and also the most humbling because I re- realized how much little I know about geography, the world, and everything. But it's just setting up for a rematch, just <laughs> right. like they did at the end of Rock. We'll do it again. Well, Mike has been our most frequent guest, so we will have a rematch at some point. But Mike, thanks, thanks again for joining the podcast today. Yep, always learn something from you, Matt. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. 
Thanks again to Mike Z for joining the podcast. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Gold Podcast is produced by David Yaz and is a Siemens Media Production. You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. Or visit anysoccerjournal.com forward slash podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.